Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, been doing some gardening. Have you enjoyed your uh, vacation? No, but that's my own fault. I will enjoy my vacation after today. And I should say that the re- recording this podcast is not the reason that I've not enjoyed my vacation. Does that mean you do like talking to me? I can, I can, I can, I can tolerate it, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what have you taken time away from your vacation to talk about today? We're going to talk about cloud-native applications, but definitely not cloud-native processes. <laughs> so last uh, podcast, or in a previous episode, we talked about what the cloud was, what is the cloud, and the different types, so hybrid, private, mm-hmm. public, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Uh, and it got us chatting about cloud-native applications, so applications that are built for the cloud. Yeah, that's that's us that's where we are now this we're here do you remember in our earlier podcasts like at the start of every single one like you would normally give us like a history lesson uh, yes yeah and and your history lessons normally started at like 1970 as part of doing a little bit of research for this cloud native we make some notes as we do and i ended up going down the rabbit hole of what was the early history of um cloud computing are you going to give us or not are you going to give us the history are you going to give us the history lesson this time no i mean i wasn't intending to go on no but because there, there is no history lesson okay all right so i was trying to find out where the earliest kind of cloud computing came from because whenever or at least whenever i start to think about the beginning of cloud native apps i always think about heroku and Heroku was like the, I feel like they were the first kind of like trendy as a service type company where you could, you could like load your application and run it on someone, someone else's hardware. It was like patient zero that everything else got compared to after that, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, I remember because it was, it was early and it, it kind of felt high quality. Someone I compare them with is HashiCorp and yeah, the guy, the guys that do Terraform but they also do Packer, and you think, what the heck? What's, what's the point of Packer? It's like it, it feels like they're trying to re-implement containers, but I think it was probably from before, like containers were the big thing. Anyway, I was trying to find out if Hash, if um, Heroku was like the first cloud offering. Can you guess who was the first cloud offering? Who? Apparently, it was uh, it was uh, AWS. Can't huh. believe we, I can't okay. believe I didn't think AWS. But no, apparently, apparently AWS offered you virtual machines in 2006. Right. And Heroku offered you uh, like their kind of Ruby tool chain in 2007 so you could deploy a Ruby app. So was that, but that VM, was it a container-based VM or was it just a VM? Because like we were saying the other day, just offering a, a VM on its own isn't, why, you know, isn't that wildly new. I think it was Amazon would give you a VM. Amazon will give you an EC2, an elastic computing cloud but instance, it, which is a VM. 
but it was but it was available it was public it was on a public domain and anyone could sort of connect in and self-serve yes i believe so i think i think i think early aws was they had ec2 and there was a web service that you could call to 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 spin up your ec2 cluster and that was good enough in 2006 i feel like aws was just offering a virtual machine but when we start thinking about cloud native i think we start thinking about a very different sort of application and workload compared to I suppose the old dinosaur world and monoliths and we start thinking about what I believe was going back to Heroku I believe Heroku were the ones that wrote the initial kind of 12 fap 12 factor apps yeah spiel so shall we start with what it like what constitutes a cloud native app compared to like a normal app so a lot of the cloud native stuff talks about um, lots of principles and what you should do, what you shouldn't do, but there's very little like um, definition of what makes an application cloud native or just an application that happens to be doing some good cloud native stuff. Okay. It's fully leveraging cloud infrastructure and services to rapidly deliver business value. Have you read any lean enterprise stuff? Um, no, as far as I'm concerned, lean is a type of meat. So Lean Enterprise is brief iter- it's like agile iterations on um, hypotheses. So you say, if I made an app that did this, what would the outcome be? Well, uh, oh, okay. specifically, if I made this, would I see a 10% revenue growth? Yes or no? If the answer is no, okay, what, what, what's the next test that we do? This is the next test. Okay, we'll make the changes, we'll push that, and you do it rapidly, and, and, and you see things go along. But the cloud-native application side to it was... How do you enable that through mm-hmm. an application? And I think the 12-factor app has been the, the cornerstone, hasn't it? I feel that, especially when I started seeing it get featured in like various different training, I thought uh, it's it's gone past blog post and it's become uh, like Real. sacred text. <laughs> yeah. I was always a bit dismissive, actually. Really? Yeah. What I was against was the idea that moving to moving your applications into the cloud automate, automatically solved a lot of the problems that you had with things like state, transactionality, and managing the actual applications and failure fa- failure scenarios and error handling, etc., etc. Because I didn't because mm-hmm. obviously because it was quite new, there wasn't a lot of content around how that would been managed it's only recently i'd say that a lot of those are addressed yeah i think that cloud and cloud native has always been thought of as like some it's like some mythical nirvana where where nothing ever goes wrong and the reason that people think of like sort of non-cloud native dinosaur land as being slow and cumbersome and well, well the reason it's slow and cumbersome is because people have built up processes that that work that prevent bad prevent things happening yeah. mess yeah exactly yeah, it's like uh, the monolith. I, I quite like the monolith can be good. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 almost a complete jump when you when you hear people talking about how email signatures used to say how long their application had been running without being put like going down or being upgraded or anything. Mm-hmm. Know, three years without um, without an outage on on this server, and sort of container world has, has flipped that it on its head. It, can I go? Ah, oh, I've not re I've not rebooted this container in ten seconds. <laughs> best, yeah. Best get an automated process to do it for me. 
Yeah, Dif- different different worldviews because one of them's priding themselves on uptime and the other one's making sure that they can tolerate downtime and recover from it. Yeah, stability over live recoverability, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. So, Are you able to pick yourself up rather than are you able to never fall over? Yes, exactly. Hmm. So you've got the you've got the twelve factor apps, Heroku, microservices. Do uh, sort of a reference point. These are the things that you'd be looking at if you're looking at a cloud native application. But what makes an application cloud native? What 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 does it need to be able to do? When can we call this application we have cloud native? I th- I think the first one would be um, making sure that your apps sort of can be deployed elsewhere. So it needs to have all of its dependencies packaged up. And of course, we think of the the container image as as the default way of doing things, but there are other ways that you can package things up. Like I think we discussed HashiCorp Packer and I think Heroku also had its own way of doing uh, like a a state, a, um, a standard image. But I would say that's the first, the first, thing is making sure that your your workload your app is uh, all of its dependencies have been pulled into one blob so i know that if i was to pull it down and run it it would execute it wouldn't say missing library or whatever yeah, because no matter where your cloud is or what type of cloud you have the infrastructure should be up you know abstract you're also abstracted away from the infrastructure so you should be able to just deploy it anywhere and what the what the cloud looks like is sort of irrelevant to you isn't it yeah well my, the, the main one i always think about is that a cloud native app should do one thing well it's interesting how we have different points of view on what we think is like the most important thing is i think that for me if it does one thing well because i i tend to look at i don't know why my brain automatically goes towards recoverability availability um if if it goes down how will it affect other how how will it impact other things in the system? So I suppose that's mm-hmm. that's the other one. If uh, you know, can I change it? Can I update it without impacting other things? And if it's only got one function, then the answer is yes. And then I, I can update it. I can change it. I can I, I can pinpoint one specific thing in a massive architecture of of things and and make changes. But I can I can upgrade it. I can replicate it. I can reduce it. And you know, I could throw it away without too much hassle. Do you think that your do one thing well also makes it very easy to and this is i would say this is not a cloud native thing at all makes it very easy to document and describe especially if it's some kind of needs to have some kind of well-defined interface like an api or or something like that if you if you're following the do one thing well microservice shebang that makes it that then lends very nicely to being able to document and define an interface because it's yeah, agreed. Yeah, breaks into a very simple thing, and it's nice for people to understand. Yeah, and actually, that if you if you're you if you're doing cloud native apps with a specific coding language, and you start implementing clean code practices, and you're doing good naming standards, for example, then mm-hmm. straight away anyone who looks at that one okay this one container this one cloud native application, for example is doing this one specific thing and I know everything that's happening inside there because it's all well documented. It almost becomes its own documentation as well, which means you have to write less documentation on top. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I very, very, very dis- much dislike things that document themselves or that are considered to be self-documenting because... <laughs> Not I self-documenting, though... it aids documenta- documentation. It's an element of the document, I would say. 
So it's got one purpose, it's portable, and we can change it without impacting anything else. What else does a cloud native app need? The way that it can be scaled in that I feel like we've, we've discussed it should be um, infrastructure hardware agnostic. Ideally, the way it scales should be understood because scaling in cloud service provider land is either you just want to spin up some more nodes or can you move it to a fatter node with more grunt? And I think in cloud, you're almost saying, I suppose the most scalable, the most cloud native applications are going to be stateless I was wondering when you were going to say the word stateless. Because if a cloud native app is something that fully leverages the cloud and the cloud's mm-hmm. primary benefit, well, one of the primary benefits of cloud is that, that you don't have to worry about the infrastructure and therefore if you go over your total number of calls, then you just get more infrastructure. If it's stateless, that's easier to do and there's less concerns. If it's stateful, you're probably introducing things like quorum. You might have to just spin up an extra, I don't know, odd number of, of or even number of additional nodes, for example. If, if you've got a quorum of three, you might need five. So you can't just scale by one, you have to scale by two. Uh, if you're trying to scale a, I don't know, a database, how do you get the data across all the different instances? That sort of thing. So I had a question. How do you do a cloud native database? I don't know if you can. My, my answer was, my answer would be, you get a database as a service offering and you, you don't run it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you leave it to the experts. Yeah. Um, and I can't tell whether this is a sarcastic answer that I'm giving or my genuine answer because I feel that the, the mixture of, of cloud and elasticity and throwaway ability and dependencies and state... I genuinely think that database as a, st- as a service is, is like a good idea. One of the main issues, I think, with cloud native and state is that it ha- then has a dependency. The dependencies on an external uh, or, or a, a connected persistent store. And I'm not mm. sure. I, I think you have to limit dependencies and limit customization in cloud native applications. If you have lots of dependencies, then you're sort of tying yourself to a cloud provider because if you can't get the same thing at a different cloud provider then you no longer have the portability which if what we're saying is it needs to have one function and portable you know between us the two main things it doesn't meet that if it's customized if you have to use an aws um, feature which isn't applied anywhere else then you're you're stuck to the cloud and you might as well be on prem (laughs) because custom building everything and if you've got a persistent volume for state then you have to make sure that all the other cloud providers that you potentially could port to are able to have the same stateful the same state abilities on on their platforms yeah which is why it's nice to try and keep all that stuff as agnostic as possible in your deployed application yeah so um no limited customization and limited dependencies other products we work with uh, sometimes they get bundled together and you have to deploy them on the same machine. So decoupling close tied applications wherever possible is another key factor. And I think that's because that ties in with no dependencies, which you don't need them to be together, and also the one function purpose. Yeah. What's the thing about 
there's a recommendation for how you model um, remote dependencies required by a cloud native application. Suppose that you've got one, suppose you're writing your, your cloud native microservice and it needs to, I know it has a dependency on a backend uh, API or, or, or the recommendation is that if it has a dependency on another service that you um, that 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 resource that it needs is kind of exposed via an API. I think I think I'm waffling here because there is a there's a way that, that it's formally described. How is it done? Treating treat backing services as attached resources. That's the opposite of what we're saying, isn't it? A, a backing service is any service that the app consumes over the network as part of normal operation. So it's databases, message queuing systems, blah blah blah. Says makes no distinction between local and third-party services. To the app, both are attached resources accessed via a URL or other locator credential stored in the config. Right. So, ev so you treat everything the same, whether it's on the same cloud, whether it's on the same machine, whether it's on the same, uh, whether it's on not the same cloud, not the same machine. So ev everything in the world is treated as a, uh, as as an equal essentially i was about to say but that's obvious but what 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 was the point that you that you were going to make when when i was saying that you said no no i i agree i agree with that so i think that's a a, a key element and i think that is a removal of dependencies because if you just have a service that's available mm -hmm. and it's available everywhere as if it could be anywhere then it doesn't matter if you're dependent on it because your dependency will be available no matter where you are so, I've got a portable application that does one thing only. If yep. you change it, it doesn't impact others or people. Yeah, so nobody knows that you're making a change to it. It will be scalable to fully leverage cloud infrastructure. It will connect via a client connection or rather it will treat everything as a as just a remote url as an attached resource a remote url exactly mm -hmm. so rather than like binding two things together or, or you know using closed processing i've just thought of, of one other thing regarding the modeling uh things as remote urls um you've got to be able to tolerate other things failing like you can't just throw your hands up and fall over in a heap if your back-end service is suddenly unavailable you mean you've got to be able to handle that so if you start getting 500 errors, you need to have internal processes to pass back to the consumer. Because you 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 can't be so horrendously tightly coupled to these. Um, you you've just put a lot of effort in making your dependencies nice and agnostic, of your your and your backend resources nice and agnostic. Um, you you can't just fall over in a heap when they're not set up or they're not there. You've got to just um yeah tolerate it and, and function in the best way you possibly can until someone plums them back in and that might even be if you've got an active and a standby of of a thing that you're connecting to making abstracting the actual endpoint away and making say a, a, a load balancer the attached resource and whether that's on your side or whether it's at the load balance or you just connect to load balance which handles that they are practical methodologies for tolerating failures within a cloud native application good when do you think that cloud native became the default? Hmm. I, I, this goes back to history lesson again. I do. We, not, I, we've done a lot of history and, and timelines today. I'd say that cloud native still isn't the default. I'd say it's still pretty trendy. 
No, get away. Uh, I would. I, I feel. I feel that if I think it's, if I think something is like modern, then it's definitely modern. Like I, f- I feel that I'm lagging behind the curve. You know that adopter curve with like the, the front runners and then the, the, the laggards and the dullards. You know the one I mean, don't you? Yeah, I know what you mean. The it's a maturity, it's a, not maturity model. It's say um, the 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 trough of disillusionment. I, genuinely, the reason I think that is because I think lots of there'll be lots of innovative startups who are using cloud native only, or you know, you think Monzo, for example, who are almost definitely a, a cloud native company. Yeah. And then you've got I don't know big legacy systems, mm-hmm. you know, bank systems that have been around since the forties, fifties, whatever. And mm-hmm. you know they've they've changed a little, but not a lot. I think there's lots of cloud native practices have been adopted and updated over the last say five ten years, and I'd I'd say it's really stable and the expected out of the box functionality now to do things like containerization. Uh, I'd say that a lot of applications, whilst they may be on cloud, aren't necessarily yet cloud native. So I feel like there's the there's the intent. I feel like there's the understanding. I feel like some the majority of applications still aren't cloud native, but the intent and the design of applications are moving towards or trying to get as near to cloud native as possible. So in that sense, yes, they are the default now because it's the default way of thinking so would you say that actually everybody's doing cloud native already i wonder whether it's the case that we don't realize um we don't realize who is not doing cloud native because those are the people that you don't get exposed to and i wonder if that is you always think everyone's doing better than you based on like facebook and instagram that sort of thing you think everyone else is doing cloud native better than you are when in fact like many people are doing worse than you but they just don't talk about it Maybe maybe that's it's just the kind of enterprises and organisations that we're exposed to. Um, cloud native is, I would say, definitely a. I would say it's it's the default, but I would not say it's ubiquitous. There are still people who they they like the way they do things, and they're going to deploy on a bunch of on-prem hardware or maybe an on-prem hypervisor because that's how they like to do it. So I'd agree that I'd agree that it's that going to cloud is what most people are aspiring to do. I'd say that cloud native is probably quite well defined and that a lot of applications don't meet that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of applications have just lifted and shifted into cloud and maybe haven't seen all the benefits of going cloud native. So they might still be closely coupled, for example, um, or not not very scalable, etc., etc. So I feel like, yeah, the intent's there to go to cloud native I think it's become the default, architecturally speaking, to make applications cloud-native or as cloud-native as possible. I think there's still a lot of applications that are not there yet or not ready to go there yet. And that's either because of mentality or because it's not financially it's not financially the right thing to do to, to I don't know, port loads of existing applications into a cloud-native app when they work just fine already. Yeah, exactly. That that that's something that we um, 
that we don't think about that often we think of the move to cloud native as oh at the same time we'll embrace containers and we'll rewrite it in something cool and trendy like go when in fact it would be easier to just do a little update that it needs and then put it back right the way it was and that goes back to the uh, definition I said at the beginning. So for the le- leverage and uniqueness of cloud infrastructure to rapidly deliver business value. And if my uh, migrating an existing application doesn't deliver business value, there's no there's no reason to do it. So cloud native for the sake of it is is not um, just doesn't make business sense necessarily. I feel that what I feel that definition is a very sensible way to approach how to make use of cloud computing and the benefits of cloud services as an organization. But I would not say that, oh, it's it's cloud native to have realized that it doesn't make financial sense to, uh, to not touch some random little on-prem legacy thing. So you could go cloud, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. You're, you're saying that it isn't cloud native to just, it, isn't, it doesn't mean it's not cloud native if it hasn't achieved business value. It doesn't mean it isn't cloud native if it hasn't achieved business value. Yes. You can build a cloud native application that has no business value. You can build a cloud native application that has no business value. I agree. I think we've exhausted my brain of anything cloud native now, Peter. There wasn't a lot in there. I think that these discussions are very useful for me. And if if it's useful to you, the listener, good, good as well. But I wonder, I wonder whether we, we do this podcast as some kind of like mental and verbal defragmenting of our own uh, uh, knowledge of the IT industry or lack of knowledge of the IT industry. <laughs> it's, our, it's almost our um, our thought box. Soapbox? What's the soapbox? Uh, I, think, I think soapbox. Soapbox is where, you, is where you go to rant. Yeah, it's almost our soapbox. So that was our whirlwind discussion on cloud native. Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Goodbye.